radical left has taken over the Democratic Party. Hello and welcome to Think Progressively, covering politics and all the other chaos life has to offer. This is episode 85, recorded on Friday, March 10th from Milwaukee. I'm Joe. And I'm Jason. And on today's episode, we discuss the conservative war on drag performances. But first, the headlines. Up yours, woke moralists. We'll see who cancels who. First up in headlines, this is our final week, Joe, because, spoiler alert, one of us is abandoning (laughs) the movement. Yes, I will be gone on vacation for a couple weeks. Quitter. And then when we come back, you're going to be gone at a conference. Not quitting because I'm doing research. (laughs) So we will be not having a new episode for about the next month. So due to that, this is our final episode before the spring elections in Wisconsin. So it's our final time to talk about the thing we've been harping on over and over and over again, which is the Wisconsin State Supreme Court race. Vote Janet Protosiewicz. Even if you don't live in Wisconsin, figure out a way to do it. They say we... Uh, I would say, you're a liberal, you know how to, you're a Democrat, you know the right. secret ways. Yeah, they say that we steal all the elections anyway, so do that, I guess. Contact your DNC rep at 188 <laughs> get that secret out of state ballot yeah there is also from china usually though yeah yeah they're printed in china yeah, yeah. you can tell cuz it's got bamboo exactly in the in the ballot there is also a an election that we haven't really talked much about because it's not in either of our districts but there is a special election for state senate in district 8 which is the suburbs to the west and northwest of Milwaukee like Mequon Menominee Falls yeah Germantown that kind of area and that is is between Jody Habish Sinikin and Daniel Knodel. Knodel. Knodel? It, it really, it doesn't look like it would yeah, be. Yeah, it shouldn't it's, be like, it's it, it looks like it should be a silent K. Yeah. So, uh, well, he should be silent, all right. I, I know that for <laughs> Mr. sure. Mr. Knodel is the Republican, and Jody Habish Sinkin is the Democrat. I can't say that I've seen much from this, obviously, because we're not in those areas, but I've I actually, think we... I've gotten Knodel ads. Have you? Yeah. I know that he is not the craziest person that was running, because I know in the primary there was that state rep that was running that, like, got kicked out of all of the committees and stuff because she... Oh, Branchin. Yeah. Yeah, Janelle Branchin. So, I know she was running for... For this seat and the the democrats are trying to get her to win the primary because she's so crazy it would be easy to run against her so i don't know that much about them but it is important because we need to protect against the super majority for the republicans this was already a republican seat so it's not going to flip anything but it would be really nice to gain a little bit of that ground back and have some breathing room especially since there's nothing that has ever done in the senate because we have such a little democratic like stronghold <laughs> i mean i think we have like three or four like state senators who are Democrats in our in our actual state Senate today. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot, man. And despite this being a majority Democrat state because of all of the gerrymandering. Yep. And something else I want to talk about that's coming up is the referendum questions that are going to be on that ballot, which are designed to increase conservative voter turnout. So there are three questions. The first... What makes you think that they're partisan, though? <laughs> well, we'll see. These look very, very neutral questions to me, Jason. 
the first question, and the first two are almost the exact same. I'm not sure what the differentiation is between them, but uh, the first one is conditions of release before conviction. Shall Section 8, Part 2 of Article 1 of the Constitution be amended to allow a court to impose on an accused person being released before conviction conditions that are designed to protect the community from serious harm? Very clear (laughs) what that means as I didn't understand it even as I was reading it. Question two is cash bail before conviction. Shall section eight, part two of article one of the constitution (laughs) be amended to allow a court to impose cash bail on a person accused of a violent crime based on the totality of the circumstances, including the accused previous convictions for a violent crime, the probability that the accused will fail to appear, the need to protect the community from serious harm, and prevent witness intimidation and potential affirmative defenses. So they that one's a little bit more clear, especially at the end there. Sure. They don't want people to be able to have a good defense. Like if they're in jail, then they can't be working with their attorney. But currently, as we talked about in our cash bail episode a little bit before we went on our winter break, you can only take into account if they're going to appear to court. That's the only reason we have bail in this country. It's in the constitution we have laws yep. bail is only supposed to be used to ensure that people show up direct which we've then also demonstrated that it actually doesn't do that much difference than just a typical reminder to right. show up in court so currently section 8 part 2 of article 1 of the constitution says all persons before conviction shall be eligible for release under reasonable conditions designed to assure their appearance in court protect members of the community from serious bodily harm or prevent the intimidation of witnesses. So two of the things that they want to add in question two are already in there. That just means whether or not you can even have cash bail, right? They can just deny your bail anyway. Right. And it goes on to say, monetary conditions of release may be imposed at or after the initial appearance only upon a finding that there is a reasonable basis to believe that the conditions are necessary to assure appearance in court. That's the part they want to change. Yeah. They want to make it so that they can increase your bail amounts based on everything else Correct. based on what your record looks like everything like that which will of course end up having an effect of having higher bail on certain people right on people that are have been part of the justice system for a longer time maybe people that live in areas that are much more highly policed than other areas and that will further increase that disparity the last line in that section of the Constitution says, the legislature may authorize by law courts to revoke a person's release for a violation of a condition of release. So not really relevant to either of these questions, but that's that's how it ends. So I'm not, I'm still, after reading all of this multiple times, I'm not sure what they're asking for in question one. It already says that they can put on conditions to protect members of the community from serious bodily harm. It says that already in that section of the constitution so i'm not sure what question one even is because it seems like it's something that's already there and question two is basically do we want to make cash bail higher for black people in wisconsin is is really what that question is question three says shall able-bodied childless adults be required to look for work in order to receive taxpayer-funded welfare benefits (laughs) 
Yay. If you lose your job, you're going to lose any welfare benefits that you're on. Well, and let's talk about that. So as someone who lost their job in the middle of the pandemic, had to go on unemployment and actually had to get benefits, right? Mm -hmm. And I received unemployment for that. A part of that, although technically during like the heart of the pandemic, it was actually revoked and taken away for obvious reasons. But when that was kind of over and they basically closed their window for the pandemic, it was required you actually looked for jobs and submitted Mm -hmm. um, these applications for the jobs that could be looked at from the state itself. So this is already happening. (laughs) Well, and this, what you're saying with unemployment insurance is technically not taxpayer funded. You fund your own unemployment insurance while you work. So I don't think they mean unemployment personally, Uh, but yes, unemployment already does have, you have to submit that you put in your applications. Years ago, I was on unemployment for a while as well and remember having to do that too. But this is basically, so people that work, like say you work at Walmart. Sure. Walmart basically uses the government to subsidize their employees' pay because they refuse to pay their employees a livable wage. Which is what we talked about before. So if you work at Walmart in any like non-management position, you are likely on welfare. Say you lose your job. You get fired from Walmart, you get laid off, something happens, you lose your job. You now lose your welfare benefits as well, which means you likely cannot pay your rent, cannot buy food. How can you have a steady job when that happens? It's basically a pipeline directly to homelessness. Literally. And it's non luckily it's a non-binding referendum. I guarantee you every all three of these questions, even if Janet Protosewitz wins, most of the turnout is high in Dane and Milwaukee counties, things are good, Democrats win seats, these three questions are all going to pass. Of course. At least question three is non-binding. It's just there in order to increase they're all conservative term. They're, they're all non-binding. And that, so that, that's the big thing. We should talk about exactly why the Republicans are doing this right now. So this all these got pushed on party line votes, right? And since these are legislator bound, these are, do not require the governor's approval to end up on the election ballots. So this is like something you guys could probably think about in future elections as well, at least in this state, is whenever you see a referendum that passes through that statewide, there could be like countywide stuff and like citywide stuff that may happen, but if it's ever done by the state, it's literally because Republicans want to push something out for election and campaign purposes. And that's exactly what these are. So we live in a state that do not, that does not have any binding referendum, unlike other states like Michigan and California, like Jason said. So the only point about this is that they can say one of two things. One, before the election, they're going to try to get people out because they want to make sure all the bad guys and the criminals are held behind bars. We want to hear from you that we want to keep the Wisconsin safe. So that's all campaign within the state time, I guess you can say. And number two is, like Jason said, typically with a lot of these temporary referendums, they will pass anyway because they're like, sure, I don't know what this means, but why not? I don't want any lazy person to get welfare benefits if they're not getting a job. And then they'll get like a 70-some percent approval rating, and then Republicans will use that the entire session to try to push all these bills and basically make Tony Evers and Democrats look bad, saying they're going against the will of the people. That's all it is at the end of the day, when in reality, they actually have no idea what we're voting on because people don't even look at their ballots beforehand. And they're worded in a way to make you feel like... You have no clue what they're talking about. Exactly. As we read these first two questions are absolutely meaningless unless you look up the state constitution right and read the section and even then good luck well especially because most people aren't even going to know these are on the ballot until they go to the polls right so they yeah they have no time to research so april 4th 
Make sure you vote. Vote Janet. And if you happen to be in the west and northwest suburbs... Vote Jody. And let's give ourselves a little bit of cushion from the Republican supermajority, which would be a disaster for the state of Wisconsin and mean that the Republican state legislature would be able to override the governor's veto and we would become Wississippi, Wisconsin, however you want to say it. Wiscax. I don't like that one. Wiscaxis? Wiscaxis. <laughs> so let's move on. I want to talk about Tucker Carlson, the man, the myth, the legend. One of the most highly rated cable shows, not just cable news shows, but cable shows out today. We kind of talked a little bit about it last week, but I want to bring it back today because there were more updates about Kevin McCarthy giving Tucker Carlson secret, confidential January 6th material because of transparency, even though they didn't give it to anybody else, including the MyPillow guy who actually wanted it. Carlson was given exclusive access to around 44,000 hours of footage from January 6th by House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy, likely as part of the deal he made with extremist conservatives in exchange for voting him in as Speaker. And we got to see Tucker use that footage to make a two-minute montage. Right. Definitely cherry-picked two minutes of very boring footage uh, showing people just milling around in the Capitol. Well, and that was the point, right? And here's what Tucker had to say on his show Monday night. He said, while there were a few bad apples, most of the January 6th rioters were peaceful, and he called them sightseers, not insurrectionists. Sightseers. And he also went on and said that they did not hate the building or want to destroy the building. (laughs) They they revered it. They hated democracy, not the building. There were two, he claimed that they were literally tourists with the capitol police showing them around Uh, he said quote the footage does not show an insurrection or a riot in progress instead it shows police escorting people through the building deadly insurrection everything about that phrase is a lie very little about january 6th was organized or violent surveillance video from inside the capitol shows mostly peaceful chaos peaceful chaos What is that? So after getting the 40-some thousand hours of video footage, that was his take. He shows very little of it to make his case for it being just a... He is on the Ron Johnson. It was people on a tour. They were just vacationing, sightseeing, seeing the Capitol building. You would have never known that was any different than any other day. Well, they And they also showed footage of police escorting the QAnon shaman around, where then Tucker claimed that he was actually just being let in by police and calmly just escorted by them instead of being viciously attacked like we should expect them to, which we can talk about in a little bit as well. Well, there was a response from the Capitol Police Chief Thomas Manger, who sent a letter to Fox and Tucker Carlson in which it said, quote, the program conveniently cherry-picked from the calmer moments of our 41,000 hours of video. The commentary fails to provide context about the chaos and violence that happened before or during these less tense moments. Well, and let's talk about that. So, literally with the QAnon Shaman stuff that they were showing during Tucker's segment, it was because they were literally trying to get him to peacefully leave. Right. That was the and, point. and they were vastly outnumbered right. by all of the rioters, the right. insurrectionists. So that's the tack that they took was 
trying to be their friends in order to talk them into leaving on their own. And de-escalate the situation. And it was not only him they did this with. Right. And again, it just kind of goes back to this idea of the amount of times that the police did fight back in this from the whole back the badge segment right. well, of I mean, our population. I, meanwhile, there's a whole group of police getting trampled by people trying to storm through a tunnel. Right. I mean, there's all is going on at the same time, and it's in this video footage. If the Swanson heir Tucker Carlson would have gone to any other camera at the same time yep. that this is going on, you would see police being beaten with sticks and stun guns and trampled on by violent protesters. But that's not what he wants to show you. He, as we have proven and has been proven in a court of law, Fox lies. They know what the truth is and they purposefully tell you something different to justify their existence because they know that's what you want to hear, at least conservatives, and they know that's what makes you like Fox News and tune in the next day and buy products from their sponsors, which is all they care about. But my whole point is what's the point? What's the point of explicitly bringing up the police saying they're not doing enough? What did they want them to do? Did they want them to actually just dramatically beat the crap out of these people? Because if that's the case, the few times that that did happen, aka like maybe like the, the Ashley one, Babbitt thing. Yeah, the one place where they literally drew a line because they were protecting members of Congress who were fleeing. There are still people today who are honoring and paying homage to Ashley Babbitt. Donald Trump being one of them. At CPAC, which we'll also talk about later. The letter... From the police chief goes on to say, Finally, the most disturbing accusation from last night was that our late friend and colleague Brian Sicknick's death had nothing to do with his heroic actions on January 6th. The department maintains, as anyone with common sense would, that had Officer Sicknick not fought valiantly for hours on the day he was violently assaulted, he would not have died the next day. And of course, Brian Sicknick was 42 years old and died after suffering two strokes due to a blood clot following the riot. I'm not a doctor, neither is the police chief, neither is Tucker Carlson, but it's hard to say that a 42-year-old dying from multiple strokes due to a blood clot didn't have something to do with all of the trauma that he had just gone through the previous day. They just went through a literal war zone? (laughs) Right. But again, this goes to show just how dishonest Tucker Carlson and Fox News actually are. It doesn't matter about backing the blue. It doesn't matter about loving our military the people that they supposedly fight for they are literally just pawns and talking points to use when it's convenient for them when it's inconvenient they'll dismiss them like they are nothing they do not care about these people at all so of course because this came from the house and the house leader kevin mccarthy house republicans and i mean remember you've got people like marjorie taylor green and lord lauren bobert in the house they don't have anything to say uh, against this fox news segment and we're in a kind of an odd situation where there is a split between the House and the Senate. And I wanted to read a few of the Republican Senate responses. These are all Republicans. Well, and I'll even go as far as saying before you say that is the House GOP fully enables all of this. Well, they, they literally did. They, they gave the footage to Well, yeah, Tucker but Carlson. I'm saying but even after he made the segment, they tweeted out Tucker Carlson's segment saying, this is a much watch. You have to see this. So they fully like are backing this entire thing. So first, let's start 
start with Mitch McConnell, the minority leader of the Senate. I want to associate myself entirely with the opinion of the chief and the Capitol Police about what happened on January 6th. It was a mistake, in my view, for Fox News to depict this in a way that's completely at variance with what our chief law enforcement official here at the Capitol thinks. Strong words from the concussed turtle. Uh, he's, I believe, he just got out of the hospital for a concussion. He fell at like a hotel or yeah. something. Yeah, too bad he didn't die. Uh, Tom Tillis from North Carolina. I think it's bullshit. I was here. I was down there. And I saw maybe a few tourists, a few people who got caught up in things. It doesn't matter. <laughs> If you get caught up in, oh, I got uh, caught up in a insurrection store robbery, yeah. you know, like it, it doesn't, that, that does not absolve you of anything. But when you see police barricades breached, when you see police officers assaulted, all of that, if you were just a tourist, you should have probably lined up at the visitor center and came in on an orderly basis or, you know, left because <laughs> you didn't want to get involved in like a violent insurrection. Kevin Kramer from North Dakota. I think that breaking through glass windows and doors to get into the United States Capitol against the borders of police is a crime. I think particularly when you come into the chambers, when you start opening the members' desks, when you stand up in their balcony, to somehow put that in the same category as, you know, permitted peaceful protest is just a lie. Agreed. Mitt Romney from Utah. Really sad to see Tucker Carlson go off the rails like that, joining a range of shock jocks that are disappointing America and feeding falsehoods. Oh, boy. Boy, we have a whole treasure trove to show you, Mitt. The American people saw what happened on January 6th. They've seen that people got injured. They saw the damage to the building. You can't hide the truth by selectively picking a few minutes out of tapes and saying this is what went on. It's so absurd. It's nonsense. It's a very dangerous thing to do, to suggest that attacking the capital of the United States is in any way acceptable, and it's anything other than a serious crime against democracy and against our country and people saw that it was violent and destructive and should never happen again. But trying to normalize that behavior is dangerous and disgusting. And finally, Mike Rounds of the other Dakota. The South other Dakota. Dakota. We had Kevin Kramer from we North have, Dakota. We have so. the free D- Union Dakota. and uh, <laughs> Both Dakotas are united. <laughs> I was there on January 6th. I saw what happened. I saw the aftermath. There was violence on January 6th. I think the footage that's available should be made available to all networks, and everybody should be able to see for themselves just what kind of chaos we had on that day. Well, and I will say, I can't believe I'm actually going to say this, but yes, I mean, I I completely agree with all of that. But then at the same time, sure, I also agree that all the networks should have this, especially if Fox News has it. There's nothing exclusive that they should have it and no one else should. But at the same time, I kind of actually trust what our government did which is a weird thing to actually say <laughs> because with the january 6th committee they were actually very focused the entire time of showing a real good narrative of what actually happened that day and having someone at cnn have those 44 hour or forty-four thousand hours of footage i don't think it's going to be anything more magical than what's actually already happened and if anything they should have had it cleared by the capitol police like is there anything that could be 
sensitive? Are there any routes or any areas? Because there's some cameras, which I'm sure are in areas that they don't want people to be able to piece together exactly how they evacuated. But let's move on and talk about CPAC. More Republican stuff. We have to have levity in our <laughs> in our show. So every once in a while, you gotta gotta talk about the conservatives, right? So CPAC, the premier conservative event throughout the country, conservative political action committee. It is where you go to make your career as a Republican politician. Reporters line up to go see this conference because if you are a presidential candidate or you're playing around for president, you will be at this conference. It is the place to be for conservatives. Or it was. Not so much anymore. It is not the the George Bush and Paul Ryan CPAC we all know and love. It is now the Trump CPAC that nobody goes to. (laughs) It is essentially a Trump convention. There's people selling Trump merchandise all over the place. Well, like we said, Ashley Babbitt shirts. Posing with the mock Trump White House, like Oval Office, (laughs) taking pictures. Because why not, man? It's just a touring Donald Trump circus. We should go to CPAC. I don't think we should. We should really go to CPAC. You can go and you can let us know how it was. And we'll like say like Hillary was right shirts. (laughs) (laughs) Or don't blame me. I voted for Hillary. There it is. We'd be dead in seconds. (laughs) (laughs) And as you said, attendance was very sparse. Two of the big sponsors from previous years, Fox News and Turning Points USA, were nowhere to be found. I can't. I I can get Fox News. I can't understand why Turning Points USA wouldn't be. They are crazy. (laughs) Well, it's probably a signal that they're going to be backing DeSantis, as Ron DeSantis was also not there. A major Republican candidate for president was not at CPAC. We did have a couple of interesting people. We had Donald Trump, Nikki Haley, the MyPillow guy who talked for way too long. <laughs> and they, there's a shot of his teleprompter telling him to like get off the stage. <laughs> it was kind of funny because, yeah, he went on way too long. Now, and Jason, you have a truth picture here. Yes. Which, oh okay. my, what an ugly avatar. That's all, okay. He is, literally is that really like Is that really his avatar? Yes. It's from Donald Trump. As we were talking, the attendance was sparse. Of course, Donald Trump lied about the attendance because he always does. He always talks about how great his attendance is. But yes, his avatar on Truth Social. <laughs> what is this? Is his face, and he looks lumpy. He really looks really like, lumpy. It's really bad. And it's got like an American flag projected over it well i think that's the problem i think the and he flag, just looks like a clown he looks like a joke he looks like a, like a patriotic conservative <laughs> joker like if you ever read comic books like the nuke character from marvel yeah but like if he really let himself go it's really weird and it's kind of ronald mcdonald-esque it's but like that's the, I, I think the flag makes his face like look actually worse because they didn't do it well yeah it's, because, like it's look at the poorly. look at the left side like what's happening with his left cheek over there <laughs> It has almost like a skull, kind of. Yeah, like, he's got like, this like big, like just bump on his cheek. Like, he just got punched in the face or something like that. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. So anyway, what he uh, truthed on Truth Social? CPAC was packed for my speech. You couldn't get into the building. A special thanks to the area fire department for making it work so well. Great job. If you, I don't know, looked at any pictures or watched the video during Trump's speech, was not packed. You could definitely. 
immediately get into the building. So, I mean, no real shocker that he would lie, but in his headline speech, in fact, he lied over 23 times, (laughs) according to fact checkers. His speech was a Bond villain rant. It was two hours of him declaring vengeance against the country that voted him out of office in 2020, although, of course, he won. Quotes from his speech, In 2016, I declared I am your voice. I am your voice. Today I add, I am your warrior. I am your justice. Very big justice. People tell me. He's a very big warrior, I can tell you that too. And for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. He even took shots at what is somehow now considered to be the more moderate Republican Party of the past. The Republican Party was ruled by freaks. Freaks. (laughs) Neocons, open border zealots, open border zealots. We're never going back to the party of Paul Ryan, Kyle Rove, and Jeb Bush. I mean, but you know why he said that, though, right? He's angry that those people are against him. Because Paul Ryan and Jeb Bush backed DeSantis. So, and he's actually already tried to attack Ron DeSantis through this already on True Social before. So what he's trying to do is he's trying to paint um, Ron DeSantis as the establishment candidate. And it's working! It really, it, it weirdly is working because focus groups have shown that they actually are seeing Ron DeSantis as an established candidate compared to Donald Trump. And they're and that's hurting him, weirdly enough. Yeah, it would hurt him in the pre- The funny thing is, Ron DeSantis is the much stronger candidate in a general election. Well, of course he is. So I'm good. Good. I'm glad that he has less of a chance in the primary because the Republican base has became just so extreme and so obsessed with Donald Trump's version of politics. I want to know who the freaks are. <laughs> <laughs> Zealots and fools. <laughs> So it's it was literally two hours of him lying about Joe Biden's administration and like the most ridiculous revisionist history of his own term in the White House. Like I said, uh, fact checkers found 23 just outright lies <laughs> in his speech. And there are way more things that were like objectively like mistruths. Or right. Like yeah. things where Joe Biden's administration was the most corrupt in history. Now, you can't really fact check that. But it's really but, stupid. Like, come on, it's Donald Trump literally saying it. Right. It's like the witch from Hansel and Gretel talking about, you know, how many (laughs) kids somebody else is eating. Right. Give me a break. The only thing that he did not lie about is how well he gets along with Vladimir Putin. And of course. So he had to highlight that, that he gets along with Putin very well, which, of course, we all know. And I do have one more quote here. Can you read this in in your Trump voice? (laughs) Because this was his immigration strategy that he unveiled at C pack as well wow he actually talked policy that's got to be a first well get ready for this policy under my leadership we will use all necessary state local federal and military resources to carry out the largest domestic deportation in american history we will pick them up and we will throw them out of our country and there will be no questions asked which is of course unconstitutional (laughs) and like against international law like if you ever want to know if 
Trump was a fascist. 100%. There you go. We're going to really just pick people up and toss them out. No questions no asked. No questions asked. <laughs> so that was the headliner. Unsurprisingly with CPAC, Trump was the only real person to actually get a lot of audience feedback and actually a lot of applause. Their audience was stone cold quiet the entire time during Nikki Haley's speech. No one cares about Nikki Haley. In fact, it was something like in, a, in the straw poll, remember this is a Trump place now because it's so heavily crazy for him. He like, dramatically held, it was like 40 or some percent of the straw poll, wanted Donald Trump to win for the next Republican primary. Then DeSantis came in like at 20%. Then I believe it was like the Republican candidate in Michigan or like in Illinois or something like that who lost at like 4%. And then Nikki Haley at like 0.5%. <laughs> so that's how much they do not care about Nikki Haley. But well, as we talked about, I think she's really only vying for the vice president. Right, or whatever. Who cares? But there was one other person we have to talk about, and that was the Daily Wires. And if you don't remember, that's Ben Shapiro's publication, Michael Knowles. He made headlines for basically calling for genocide against transgender people. Now, for legal reasons, we actually do not say that. Because no, that's what he said. <laughs> I, he can sue me. I don't care. <laughs> okay, but did you actually see the stories about that, though? Yes, yes. How he, they are threatening to sue for right. libel? <laughs> yes, he, he threatened to sue, and he threatened to sue the Rolling Stone magazine. Yep. He had to change their headline. Let there be no misunderstanding. I transcribed the entire, like, minute that he talked about this. So here we go. There can be no middle way in dealing with transgenderism. It is all or nothing. If transgenderism is true, if men really can become women, then it is true for everybody of all ages. If transgenderism is false, as it is, if men really can't become women, as they cannot, then it's false for everybody too. And if it's false, then we should not indulge it. Especially since that indulgence takes away the rights and customs of so many people. What rights? The right to not see... A transgender person. Right. If it is false, then for the good of society, and especially for the good of the poor people who have fallen prey to this confusion, transgenderism must be eradicated from public life entirely. The whole preposterous ideology at every level. Now you tell me how <laughs> that's not calling for the genocide of an entire group of people. Oh, actually, uh, Michael Knowles said that that's not what he was doing. He, again, as we said, threatened legal action against publications who correctly reported what he said in his speech. And I'm pretty sure this is actually from the previous week, these quotes, but I feel like it shows where his head is at. He said, I don't know how you could have a genocide of transgender people because genocide side refers to gene which is not true it refers to genetics it refers to genes it refers to biology what and the whole point of transgenderism is that it has nothing to do with biology. It has everything to do with biology, honestly. Nobody's calling to exterminate anybody because the other problem with that statement is that transgender people is not a real ontological category. It's not a legitimate category of being. You can't say that I was trying to genocide people if they're not actual people. people. <laughs> oh, 
God. Well, let's let's really talk about the game that they're playing here. And I, I absolutely hate this absolute disingenuous game that Republicans and conservatives will play all the time, which we are playing semantics every single day while they push for violent rhetoric all day long. When you try to say you're exterminating transgenderism, you are literally taking everything away that can support people who are transgender throughout their entire lives. If you take away that support from those people's lives, they are going to suffer to the point that they're going to either die from suicide or be killed by violence because we actually know there's violence happening right now. I don't know if you know this, Jason, but there's been a slew of black trans women in Milwaukee that have been murdered for the last week. It's not great. You are literally calling for the extermination of trans people by calling for the extermination of transgenderism. You cannot sit here and say, I'm only calling about the ideas when in reality, ideas are nothing without the people themselves. Well, their existence is transgenderism, right? You cannot be a transgender person in public in his vision of society. Correct. And what are you going to do if there is a transgender person in public? You're going to force them using some kind of authoritarian power to push them into hiding somewhere else. You are calling for their extermination, whether you like it or not. And he knows that. Well, I mean, to be honest, I don't even know. He's so stupid. I have no idea what he actually knows and what he doesn't know. Well, but people here, he's talking to know that. Well, of course. So then now let's talk about the Daily Wire reporter who actually has now left the Daily Wire because of these comments and some other comments by Matt Walsh, who's another crazy person. He was the one who had the whole what is a woman documentary. This is from I don't care because I hate her. Many left-wing media outlets deliberately misinterpreted Noel's claim that transgenderism should be eradicated from public life entirely as a call for eradicating transgender people. And many later corrected their headlines to accurately reflect the quote. A generous interpretation of Noel's statement is that he wishes to eradicate gender ideology, a postmodern social theory from public life. So why not say that? On this issue, it is extremely important to clearly distinguish between people and ideas so not to feed the left-wing manufactured hysteria about impending genocides. Now keep in mind, this is from the person who said that Michael Knowles and Matt Walsh went too far and she had to quit because of it. And she's pushing the exact same talking points over and over and over again. Yeah, so we should give the most generous interpretation of his statements. He doesn't want to kill transgender people. He just wants to kill their ideology. What? How do you do that? How do you ban an ideology? How do you, like you were saying, if you see a transgender person on the street, how do you ban their ideology? Well, and then again, what does this, that mean? At the same time, this completely undermines the entire point of we care about the children. This is all about the children, right? And actually, this is why Christina Buttons, that one reporter I just didn't care about before who left, was upset about it because the whole point of the movement, which was a complete smokescreen lie, was that we cared about the children. Transgender adults can do whatever they want to because they're adults and we live in a free country. Well, apparently not, because it doesn't matter if you're an adult or not. You have to be eradicated from public life no matter who you are and how old you are. There is no such thing as free expression. There's no such thing as freedom of being who you are without the government raining down authoritarianism on you. It doesn't matter to these people because they're literally, and I say this not as a liberal who just throws around words, but someone who is saying it very deliberately are literal fascists. People being transgender to Michael Knowles, to him, means that it's taking away his rights and customs. His right to not see transgender people, his custom of hating them. So he thinks that for the good of society, they should be eradicated from public life entirely. I don't see how you don't see that as calling for the eradication of all of those people. Exactly. And he can say that he means whatever he wants, but he's lying. He gave a speech in the 
this speech, everyone cheered who was there. His speech, I just read the entire part that was relevant, it was not out of context in any way, shape, or form, must be eradicated from public life entirely, the whole preposterous ideology at every level. There is no generous interpretation of that. That is saying these people need to be gone from public life. M&Ms will not be satisfied until every last cartoon character is deeply unappealing and totally androgynous. Until the moment you wouldn't want to have a drink with any one of them. That's the goal. When you're totally turned off, they've won. <sighs> Boy ain't right. Not much levity in this episode. Nope. This week on Fox in the Head. So Jason, when we... More transgender <laughs> hatred. Yay! When when we had this, I created the script for this week very quickly after we had our last recording session. And once again, the first segment and that was... Made. I literally told you, I, I created the document for us. Also, I already have a story for the Fox in the Head segment. Because conservatives have lost their freaking minds over woke, of course, chocolate. Everything's woke. You heard that right we have woke chocolate now because god forbid they let anything go by without destroying anything we care about and knowing to love is this m&ms again no is the not m&ms do something it is not m&ms it is the pennsylvanian favorite hershey's well technically it's hershey's canada to be more specific where they face worldwide boycotts over their international women's day campaign their hershey get it campaign yeah, her slash she where hershey canada actually put out a campaign featuring five women activists who are changing the world for women forever. And one of those people... One of the five, 20% of their campaign... Was a trans woman. Oh, ruined it completely. And that's 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 it, you guys. That There is nothing more to it than that. It, because a trans woman. Up first, we have Candace Owens. Frequent appearance on this segment. Quote, why would we be celebrating a man on International Women's Day? I don't know. We're all crazy and Western civilization is crumbling before our eyes. Also, I don't How know... Many times can you say that too it's everything everything everything's causing the crumbling of western civilization and again how stupid and like ignorant do you have to be to constantly use the term western civilization when they mean is like white european culture but like old school white european right well white european culture like before anything before anybody else had any rights that's western civilization judeo-christian values is the other term right also i i don't know if you saw the video or and i'll include in the show notes they're censoring something and i do not understand what the hell they're even censoring (laughs) so it's just very bizarre and very weird i don't know what they're actually trying to get at so i'll leave in the show notes for anyone to watch then we have again this is where i'm just embarrassed to know how many people of the daily wire i know do you (laughs) know i've never heard of do you know who brett cooper is no i do not she is the gen wait 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 This is part of transgender ideology, in my opinion. <laughs> you cannot have a woman named Brett. That's confusing. I assumed it was a man because it's a Brett Cooper. Straight I lives matter. Straight lives and then, matter. And then you say she. This is way too confusing. It needs to be banned. It needs to be removed from public life. It is against my rights and customs. Well, if you didn't know, Jason, outside of your horrible transphobic comments you just said ago, she is the Daily Wire's Gen Z commentator. She hosts the show The Comments Section with Brett Cooper. The Comments Section. I wonder how many people they had to pay to workshop that one. (laughs) 
quote, Hershey's hired this man, a biological man who transitioned to become an activist and make money and create some fake platform to feel good about himself. And I don't know why they always say like biological man, biological woman, like we don't understand what being transsexual is. No, we under- they don't understand. <laughs> That's the point. They need to clarify because they don't understand. She goes on saying advertising used to be about promoting a product, not an ideology. But here we are. Okay, so from now on, no more promoting an ideology. Daily Wire. Well, and what, my whole what the hell are you even talking about? Companies promote ideologies all the damn time. I mean, Jesus Christ, how many truck commercials or outdoor commercials or hiking commercials, whatever the hell companies you can think of doing this crap that just randomly pushes like military vets in their ads or like good old home, wholesome country, like middle of the country values or some crap like that. They push ideologies all the freaking time. What are you saying? Does the Daily Wire ever have advertising? Because they would be promoting their ideology. I mean, they did, and they had Harry's Razors until they stopped doing Harry Razors because Michael Knoll was an anti-LGBT bigot. Then, of course, we have our, our favorite Tucker Carlson, who said on TV, quote, There is a well-funded effort to erase women, both in Canada and the United States. Feminists are all for it. I'll tell that to uh, J.K. Rowling. Or their leaders will sell you out. Hershey's, by the way, is putting the face of a man posing as a woman on chocolate bar wrappers. This dude is called Faye Johnstone, called himself a proud slut, and said his female critics should be vilified so they, quote, don't dare speak their views publicly. Okay. Here's Faye Johnson, not a fascist or anything. Tucker would know. And then they show the ad of, like, just saying, hi, I'm Faye Johnstone, and we're gonna help make the world a better place. (laughs) A better, more inclusive, safer place for all women. It's so mundane of an ad it's that's all it is then after the ad Tucker carlson just starts laughing hysterically which is what he does right a lot because he has literally nothing to say he then introduces his guest who says where do we make up all these jobs the economy is degrading and this dude found a job dressing up like a woman wearing a nose ring and now he was hired by hershey's like is there a major in college for that so again not talking about the other four women that are part of this ad but again it just goes to show like what about them why don't you insult them and what they're doing as spokespeople for yeah. Hershey's. Yeah, Tucker, one of those black, come on. <sighs> Say the N-word. Go, go, go. But again, it just really goes to show like how simple-minded their like comedy and talking points really are. The fact that they hear say, like, is there a major for that in college as a joke? Just speaks volumes. Is there a major for being a talking head on a news program? It's so stupid. It is so dumb. And then they finish up by saying, quote, talk about mansplaining. Isn't this the ultimate mansplaining? Not I'm man. a man. I'm a woman now. You shut up, ladies. And they're like, okay, I'll shut up. Never told any women to shut up doesn't diminish again talking specifically to jk rowling now does not diminish women in any way shape or form so people have been losing their absolute minds over it and i because it had appearances in multiple of these sections or segments that we just talked about i have to talk about this crazy horrifying tweet that they keep bringing up over and over again that was done by Faye years ago are you ready parents do not have absolute rights over their children children have rights too. another gentle reminder 
reminder to the children's rights sector. We need you to speak up for trans kids now more than ever. That was it. That was the horrifying tweet that enraged. Well, because they said parents do not have absolute rights over their children. And that is not the conservative viewpoint. Well, I'll tell you what they said. Brett Cooper, so you want to take everyone's children away. Yep, that's exactly what she tweeted. Candace Owens, for some reason, there's this bizarre reason men who dress like women, who are perverts because this is a perversion, are very focused on children. They really want to get into the classrooms. They want to make that we criminalize being a parent. Like, you get the reason why a transgender woman would try to address the child's rights activists, right? Because they're constantly trying to... uh, We just had in Muskego, I went to a Muskego school board meeting where they introduced this rule and unfortunately a past that in order to address a student as a name that is different than what is on like Whatever. their official forms, yep. they have to get approval from the parents. So the parents have to say whether or not it's okay in a horribly Republican and if you've been paying attention to the news race- recently, also racist and abusive uh, community of Muskego and you're a transgender kid, in order for your teacher to address you by the name that you want to be addressed by, your parent has to say if it's okay or not. Well, and I'm a, and that's what this is about, right? Well, I'm gonna double down like way further than that. Like, parents do not have absolute rights over their children, and the idea that they should have absolute rights and ownership of these children is absolutely despicable. Then, then there is no such thing as child abuse. No, exactly. That's the whole point, and that's why she even said this because there are many abusive right wing parents who are listening to people just like Brett Cooper. Well, may not Brett Cooper, but <laughs> but Candace Owens who are calling these people perverts because this is a perversion supposedly and abusing the hell of the kids we saw the exact same thing over years and decades because of parents who are christians kicking their kids out of homes because they're being gay or whatever it may end up being just for being a little bit different they are abusing them using these exact same arguments and it would not be a full-fledged conservative freakout without the daily wire going so far as to introduce its own non-woke candy in a daily wire tweet they said introducing jeremy's chocolate i swear i thought this whole thing was a parody i I know man (laughs) I, i mean i knew it was from the daily wire i figured they were just haha joking we mocked this up in 10 minutes and ran this fake ad because that's what it seems like nope it's a real non-woke chocolate company because that's what conservatism is today not only is it reactionary and more reactionary has been in the past it's so reactionary that we are now going to create companies out of spite and by the way you mentioned that they had harry's razors until they got dropped well then jeremy's razors came in right the non-woke razors another one of these companies on the same exactly website. And their little slogan or whatever it is. We have two kinds. He, him, and she, her. One of them has nuts. If you need us to tell you which one, keep buying Hershey's. Yeah, it's terrible. It looks like something that someone mocked up in Photoshop. Well, of course it was. It... it... really bad and you have notes on here that oh michael knowles oh my god did you watch you i'm guessing yes, so you yes. watch the video he's just standing he's off to so... the side with a tablet uh, and smiling well, like a maniac oh, well i mean if you and he doesn't do anything Jason, except stand there and that smile. woman's brett cooper <laughs> okay <laughs> So they don't have, like, a large range of people. And my, she doesn't say, she didn't get to say anything either. She just right, stands there. Right. But my, She's I, just an object. My favorite part about that, other than Michael Knowles just standing like a complete doofus the entire time, who is, like, just awkwardly standing there. Right, with, 
like a tablet in his hands and like a crazy lunatic smile on his face. My favorite part is that he has like recordings from about the same story on his own. We, we just didn't get into, but he's wearing the exact same thing that he wore in the video shoot. <laughs> so he literally did his story and then went to right to the shoot to sell the stupid candy or when like went to the stupid shoot and then went right back to and talked about his own video. So I did go to the website. These candy bars are seven dollars a piece. No. Plus shipping. No. <laughs> For a 1.5 ounce bar. No way. Yes. And you don't get free shipping until you spend $80. <laughs> so this is just another grift. Oh my God. Are you upset that Hershey's had a trans woman as part of their international women's day campaign in Canada, in Canada, then give us money. That'll teach those libs. In Canada? Oh my god, man. Who do you think is going to find the story for next time first? Hopefully not me, ever. (laughs) That was really a productive segment, wasn't it? It's hard to get any word in with this clown. Unfortunately, let's continue talking about this conservative war on the LGBT community and talk about their current boogeyman, drag shows. Are you terrified of drag shows, Jason? Yeah, they're coming for your kids and they'll get you. I had planned, we talked about this because I I invited you, but oh, you had other things to do. I had planned to go, because I've never I've never been to a drag show, so I had planned to go this past weekend to a local place that's like a restaurant, and they have drag shows as part of like their shtick. I guess, unfortunately for me, but I, I kind of felt good about this fact, because I, I tried to make a reservation like the day before. It was the last minute. We had just decided on the topic, which normally we don't do a week in advance. It was sold out. So, I mean, good for the Milwaukee area to support something like that. That to where I couldn't get a, a, a last minute ticket. Oh, dude, drag shows are awesome, though. I'm not a music guy and I am not a participation guy. So, both of those things I think are, are a big part of drag shows. So, it's not really something. They're not like, not like big on participation. I mean, you're just kind of going to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like musicals and stuff, I don't, I don't generally enjoy. And I know that's a big part of it. I mean, I'm sure I would have had a good time and it would have been fun. I get why it's appealing, why it's entertaining. And I wanted to go because I wanted to go before we did this story. Unfortunately, I was not able to, but I'm glad that those things are at least popular enough that I I could not get a a day before reservation. Right. But according to Republicans, Western civilization is crumbling before our eyes. Very much so. (laughs) And early in the 2023 legislative session, at least 26 bills have been introduced in 14 states by Republican legislators taking aim at drag events, which seek to ban children from drag performances, block the shows from public venues, or force locales that host drag events to register as adult-oriented businesses. And Tennessee was the latest state to sign one of these bills into law, which takes effect on July 1st. It restricts adult cabaret performances in public or in the presence of children and bans them from occurring within 1,000 feet of schools, public parks, or places of worship. Gotta protect God, doesn't, man. Doesn't, yeah, the place of worship, who, whatever. Why they had to add that in there, I guess because they're Tennessee. 
but okay, adult cabaret performances, generally burlesque or, you know, strip shows, things like that. I could see that. Well, what, how do they define an adult cabaret performance? As part of this law, it means it is a performance in a location other than an adult cabaret that features topless dancers, go-go dancers, exotic dancers, strippers, I'm with them so far, male or female impersonators, uh uh-oh, who provide entertainment that appeals to a prurient interest. And I had to look this up. I had to, too. (laughs) It basically means sexual nature. Yeah. But why, you know, they added that terminology to be specifically vague. Yes, exactly. Because if you put explicitly sexual instead of prurient interest, it's much easier to defend against in court. Or similar entertainers, by the way, too. Yeah, or similar entertainers, regardless of whether or not performed for consideration, so judged. So this is targeting drag shows, as you've heard all throughout this episode, and we didn't intend to theme this around LGBT, trans, yeah, yeah, LGBT community, transgender, and drag. It, it just, that's what is happening right now in every facet of conservative, both legally and just personally with these talking heads like Candace Owens and the Daily Wire and everything. This is what they're focusing on 24-7 right now. Well, let's let's first talk about exactly why this is incorrect as well. I mean, you kind of hinted at it already, but just to clarify it, by doing drag, you are not essentially doing a cabaret performance. Right. There are those performances. That can happen. And they're usually adult-only shows that happen like after hours in bars things like that but the idea of including male or female impersonators or like you said to just include this purient interest nonsense vague like word that no one understands if you just have a costume on that women will wear all the time by the way not just drag performers but just women will wear all the time that is considered an adult cabaret performance by just existing and doing that type of garb or wearing that type of garb in a public area that is the problem And this is a fairly strict law. Yes. Those who are found violating can face up to a $2,500 fine and or up to a year in jail for the first offense. Subsequent violations could result in felony charges and up to six years in jail. And I saw a clip of Tennessee Governor Bill Lee when he was announcing this bill being confronted by a reporter with a photo of himself dressed in drag in his 1977 high school school yearbook, you know, where minors are in a school, and the reporter asked him if he remembered taking the picture. Lee's response was, what a ridiculous, ridiculous question that is. Conflating something like that to sexualized entertainment in front of children, which is a very serious subject. Exactly! You're the ones who conflate drag performances, something that is an art form, entertainment, with a sexualized entertainment show. Correct, because they do not understand what it is. And by the way, Jason, my research paid off. You know why? (laughs) Because today was absolutely chaotic, and the way I tried to learn as much as possible today to cram as much in, I was just listening to podcasts left and right about drag bands, and one of them that I just threw on happened to be from crazy former Fox News correspondent, and I don't know what she's even doing anymore, Tommy Lahren, who actually fully explained to the libs, the stupid libs in the audience, why it's really dumb to compare the governor's actions to the drag band. Do you know why? Why is that? You tell me, because I'm having trouble figuring it out. Because, Jason, you idiot, 
He did it, and he dressed as a woman as a joke. As entertainment. Yeah. yeah. That, that's we, it, man. We get there, it. There, there's, there's, there's no more nuance. <laughs> and the, we have the picture. It's in the show notes. It's captioned, Hard Luck Woman. And it shows Bill Lee dressed up in a, I will say, very risque yeah. cheerleader outfit that is way too small for him. I'm really trying hard not to see anything I shouldn't see. And surrounded by what appear to be, I'm guessing, female students dressed in men's suits. Oh, the humanity. Think of the children. This is in a high school. All of these children are scarred for life. But I, I guess my, my big thing when it comes to even things like Tommy Laren is the idea that it's okay for him because it's a joke to dress as a woman. It, I remember like that kind of crap back in like the mid 2000s when I was like really young and stupid, like as a child, you know, where like, ooh, I'm a woman. I'm and, like just it's just funny to be seen as a woman. I don't know. Like, do you remember that type of culture? I mean, I was I, I never saw anything like this. We never had any anything like this in well, high I'm, school but I'm, I get what it is. This is a, a long history of things like powder puff games where you have cheerleaders play the football game and then you have the guys be the cheerleaders. Yeah, like this is, and this is just, again, this is part of the same culture where it's exaggerating and exploring gender norms for entertainment. Right. And that's exactly what drag is as well. Yes. So there is no difference in my mind. Like, yes, the people are getting something different out of this and it's a different culture, and it's for different reasons, but it's still essentially the same point being made, like, sociologically. And Bill Lee correctly says, hey, this is just a fun tradition that we had, which, yes, stick with that, yep. and project that onto everything that you think now is, like, horrible for children. These shows that show, like, the, the drag time story hour that happens in, like, public libraries, it's not like a burlesque show. They're literally just reading stories to children while showing children that there is something different than what they're used to when it comes to gender expression and gender identity. That's it. That's it. That's (laughs) literally it, man. Right. Anyone that tries to say anything differently is just wrong. It's not inherently sexual at all. Yes, the, the outfit's can be a little revealing, but again, we have cheerleaders at sporting events. Their outfits are a bit revealing as well, and they dance, and people do sexualize them, but we don't say we need to hide children from them. Right. I mean, but I'm also thinking of all these different times where you see women just, I mean, for God's sakes, dude, hooters exist! <laughs> right. Oh! And it, it, they're allowed in public places, and children are allowed to go. Of course, with their parents' permission. Only the alpha males bring their families (laughs) to Hooters, dude. Yeah. Or people that really hate chicken wings. But yes, I it's not sexual inherently in nature. Yes, there are sexual-esque shows, but again, there are decency laws in all of these states anyway. Yes! And it's not like you can just expose yourself to children and not have any ramifications. Again, we are in the state that arrested George Carlin for swearing <laughs> on stage and, ad- and, and arrested uh, the lead singer of Green Day for mooning the crowd. Those those laws already exist. People would already get arrested for doing things that they're really worried about here. Yep. But instead, they just want all of these shows basically moved to adult-themed clubs and strip clubs and away from the public because they want to erase the idea that this is okay. They want it to just be sexualized. And that's the big problem. That's what we need to fight back against. There was a, a, a kind of getting 
off track here, but to hopefully get through all of the, the stuff that we researched and, and put down. But there was also another bill pushed forward by the Kentucky legislature's state lawmakers on March 2nd with the same wording. Yep. And this is happening all across the country. Again, in Wisconsin, only our Democratic governor protects us from being a state that would pass this type of law. And it would in seconds. Uh, yeah, no problem whatsoever. And I have a quote here from Jerry Cox, who's the president of the Arkansas-based Family Council, which is, of course, one of these hate group right-wing, yeah, reactionary, religious-based hate groups. Hate groups. It's, it's said, a hate group. Guess what, guys? It's a hate group. And he kind of gives it away. He says, a bunch of these bills will fail in court, but then we will learn which ones will stand, and future bills will be modeled after them. Well, and that's what they did with the abortion plan as well. Right, and a lot of these bills have that same structure to them where they talk about allowing people to sue in civil court if they're exposed to this type of entertainment. So it is. It is exactly the same, and a lot of the same wording that was used in that bill that got around the Supreme Court before they overturned Roe v. Wade are being used here. Yep. And this is literally peeling back over 50 years of progress and rights that were fought for by the LGBTQ community and drag performers specifically that we'll talk about. Well, and that's what we want to talk about in the first place. <laughs> that's, we'll get back to our actual... <laughs> scripted segment here. So we want to talk a little bit about the history of anti-gender expression laws in the United States. There was a law story a little while ago about how New York repealed their walking while trans law, which was held on the books until just a couple years ago. So not great. San Francisco, you know, that liberal bastion over there had an 1863 cross-dressing ban. And I have a quote from Dr. Jules Jill Peterson, who said in an interview with NPR, quote, those kinds of laws really took off in the late 19th century. They were really used for many decades well into the 20th century to imperil and harass but also silence LGBT people. Because if you were arrested, which was so easy under the way these laws were written, your name might be published in the newspaper. You'd have a criminal record. It could really ruin your employment chances and out you to everyone. And again, this goes back to the idea of, sorry Michael Knowles, eradicating these types of people before. When you literally bully someone into absolute complete silence, you are trying to eradicate that type of person from living a good life. You are trying to bring about more violence and more hardship onto those lives. And activism against these laws started to begin around the 1880s. And I wanted to talk a little bit about William Dorsey Swan. He was what many people believe to be the first like modern drag queen or the way we think of drag queens now. He was an African-American born into slavery in 1860. And during the 1880s and 1890s, he organized a series of drag balls in Washington, D.C. He called himself the Queen of Drag, and the regular performers at his events were known as the House of Swan. And that's still kind of how drag is organized today under houses. You have the drag queens and mothers of houses. Basically, that's where it originated. Swan was arrested in police raids numerous times, including in the first documented case 
case of an arrest for female impersonation in the United States on April 12, 1888. In 1896, he was convicted of keeping a disorderly house, which was a euphemism for running a brothel, which he certainly was not, and he was sentenced to 10 months in jail. He also tried to get a pardon from Grover Cleveland, which was denied. After his death in 1925 in Hancock, Maryland, local officials burned down his home. Drag shows started to become more mainstream with the popularity of vaudeville shows. Like, some of the most famous and wealthiest performers were actually... Vaudeville performers. Right, vaudeville and and female impersonators. Yes. And then also moved to underground clubs during Prohibition. Following World War II, there was a return to traditional masculinity, quote-unquote, in the U.S., and drag shows were once again heavily persecuted and shut down by police using these existing laws that we've been talking about. That started to change in 1969, and that will take us to the Stonewall Uprising, Stonewall Rebellion of June 28th, 1969. It's often considered the birth of the modern LGBT activist movement. Almost any account I could find was heavily disputed by another account. And I even, there was like tons of interviews from people who were there, because it's not that long ago, but they're all contradictory. (laughs) So I'll give you the best account that I can that I've pieced together from from reading and watching. Yeah, take the account from a straight white guy. (laughs) Listen to me. Stone, but so just know that anything I tell you, you're gonna be able to find 10 different versions of it, which are all different. So you'll get my version. It began at the Stonewall Inn, which was a gay bar in New York City's Greenwich Village, during a police raid. The police, I guess, raided this bar. It was a mob owned bar, which a lot of gay bars were, I guess, at the time. And it had been raided like multiple times in the same week, which probably led to some of the frustration that kind of a here. Well, and keep in mind, like all throughout like, the 70s and 80s as well, like gay bars were raided all the freaking time, also due to like sodomy laws and other kinds of other mm-hmm. bull crap. So, like, you have people who were just honestly just going to have a drink and then they just get raided by the police. And this isn't even the only resistance to a police raid that happened around this time. It just became the most well known and became a catalyst. So it's it's not an isolated incident. Told you. <laughs> Those being arrested began resisting the violent treatment by police. Possibly it was possibly Stormy DeLavier, at least according to some accounts, <laughs> who was a butch or male presenting lesbian who worked at a, as a bouncer who was being manhandled by police, appealed to the crowd for help. And that's when things kicked off. Right. And outlook onlookers, people that were basically gathered outside around this bar, began throwing objects at the police. That's often portrayed as bricks or glass from the bar. The crowd was an incredibly diverse crowd. Uh, Two of the people most often credited with Starting the resistance are Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera, who were both drag performers and people of color. Stormy DeLavier also had an African-American mother. Eventually, the police beat back and dispersed the crowd, but the next night, a larger crowd gathered to party and protest in the street. This continued for the next week. I believe it was five inconsecutive nights. And crowds grew and protests started taking place in other parts of the city. Out of the aftermath 
of this uprising. Many activist groups, including the Gay Liberation Front, were formed, and the citywide newspaper uh, named Gay was also founded after this. On the one-year anniversary of the Stonewall Uprising, there was a march for gay rights called the Christopher Street Liberation Day, which was known as the first gay pride parade in the United States. Within two years of the events, gay rights activist groups had started in nearly every major U.S. city, and June is known as LGBT Pride Month because of the Stonewall Uprising. Correct. And that's why, too, you'll see sometimes memes or people will make signs that says, the Supreme Court didn't give me my rights, it was to drag queens of color. Yes. They're specifically referencing... Stonewall. Stonewall and well, the... You also hear a lot of references to, like, pick up your bricks. Right, right. Then that's also all references to Stonewall. Right, and they're, and they're specifically citing Marsha Johnson and Sylvia Rivera as being those those people. So this is something that drag performers were central in the fight for LGBT rights. Yes. And everything they fought to, to come out of these underground clubs and these places and become mainstream, right? In our current time, drag is a widely accepted art form. Most famously brought into most people's consciousness by RuPaul Charles with the 1993 hit song Supermodel. Countless appearances in film and TV, and the 2009 series RuPaul's Drag Race, which is currently in its 15th season. Still going strong. So Also, a shout out to Trixie Mattel, who did very well, and also Milwaukee Native on RuPaul's Drag Race. This is a community that's overcome a lot of adversity, and fought and clawed their way into the mainstream, and they're being forced back by conservative Christians. For existing. Yeah, just because they don't want their children exposed to them. And while it's not necessarily drag, female and male impersonation has always been accepted as entertainment and comedy, and yes, even for children. And there are hundreds of examples. So what I wanted to do is just give you a list of examples of things that I remember when I was a kid. So things that were out before I was 18. So dating myself a little bit, but I don't really care. (laughs) Not all of these, by the way, were like, I was not alive for every one of them when they started, but things that I saw as a minor, I turned out a white cisgendered normie anyway. Bugs Bunny? Obviously, we always seen Bugs Bunny dress in drag. Bugs Bunny has appeared dressed as a woman in at least 40 cartoons. There was the Rocky Horror Picture Show in 1975 with Tim Curry being a transvestite from Transylvania. Tootsie, the 1982 movie movie starring Dustin Hoffman getting a job while dressed as a woman. The little known but one of my favorite movies of all time, Nuns on the Run, 1990, starring Eric Idle and Bobby Coltrane, R.I.P. Hagrid. They dressed as nuns to escape, I believe it was like a mob boss or something that was trying to kill them. There was Ladybugs in 1992 featuring Jonathan Brandis, a 90s movie regular. He played a, I want to say, middle 
school or maybe high school soccer player. He played on their soccer team dressed as a woman. It's exactly like the conservative view of what like transgender sports are. Sure. It's like literally just a boy putting on a wig and being like, I'm a girl and I'm going to play on the girls team and beat all the girls. That's they probably all watched Ladybugs well, in 1992. That also kind of reminds me of, um, although this is a little bit later and you're kind of out of order, so I apologize, but like Joanna Mann. Yeah, I, I know of that movie, but I've never it, seen it. It's the it. exact same kind where it's like a guy become or like starts dressing as a woman to like compete in his basketball. Right? Yeah, to yeah. compete in the WNBA because he got kicked out of the NBA. Mm-hmm. We also have, yeah, so I didn't put that on this list because I, I never really watched so, that. I mean, it, that one's like super cringy today, mm. but. And I was probably over 18 when that came out anyway. So I couldn't have uh, stunted my fragile little brain. <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire, 1993, Robin Williams. Super popular movie. The And not the only Robin Williams movie in this list. The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. I think this is the only R-rated movie on this list, perhaps. For language, there's nothing else. But it, it featured Terrence Stamp playing a transgender woman. I had Hugo Weaving as a drag queen. Good movie. Probably not for kids due to the language, but otherwise, <laughs> a, a very good movie. It's an Australian movie. One of those kind of quirky Australian movies that were coming out in the 90s. The first Hollywood movie featuring drag culture. Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar with Wesley Snipes, Patrick Swayze, and John Leguizamo, I believe. I know like half of these movies, dude. <laughs> You're really dating the hell out of yourself right now. Uh, the Birdcage, the other the Robin Williams the movie. Birdcage. Wow, you've never you've never seen The Birdcage. I've never even heard of The Birdcage. Wow. I'm sure if you watch it, you've probably seen it. It's Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. In a birdcage? Well, they run a cabaret, a drag cabaret called The Birdcage. Oh. It's got uh Hank Azaria, Simpsons Hank Azaria in it as well. Interesting. Mulan from 1998. I know the Mulan. Disney music, yeah. the Disney uh, movie. I'll make a man out of you, man. <laughs> featuring a female character dressing up as a man in order to take her dad's place in the war against the Huns, which is not accurate to the <laughs> the actual Mulan story, but whatever. Also the only Disney princess with a body count, so that's kind of good. <laughs> And don't forget, of course, that drag has been represented in musical theater for decades now. While there's a bunch of them that are out there, just other shows that come to mind like Hairspray, Chicago, Rent, all have very prominent drag characters in those musicals. So, again, it's a part of everyday life. (laughs) I want to say Moulin Rouge. I don't know if there's drag in it, though. I don't know. It's a cabaret, so possibly. Yeah. I don't know. Again, I don't really, I'm not a big musical fan. I've never seen them. Blame. My wife loves Moulin Rouge. (laughs) It had a good soundtrack. And as we close out, we remind you once again, we are two straight, suppressed, sad white guys, one of which who has never even been to a drag show. I have been proudly been to several drag shows, some in public, by the way, so that would not be allowed in Texas because I've been to street festivals that have had public drag performances, by the way. So, all right. Well, we talked about gay pride. Well, right. They, all of this would be barred because it's a public event. Children may see. Right. And yeah, well, some gay pride, probably not the best place to take your kids, but but as a parent, you have that choice, right? Parents have full ultimate authority over their children, except not really if it's something that Republicans don't like. So instead of having us close out, we're going to leave it to the words of Bella Duball, who is a drag performer in Tennessee, who spoke about the recent bill that passed and how it's going to hurt the drag community and what we should do about it. Senate has already 
passed SB3. And this next week, the House will vote on it. If they pass it, it will go on to the governor. And regardless of whether he signs it, here in Tennessee, it can still become a law. If this law passes, on April 1st, public drag will now be criminalized. I could go to jail for 15 years for appearing outside in drag. They also seek to classify us as adult cabaret performers. So that means that we would have to get a stripping license. If you have one of those, you cannot also have an alcohol license. So our bar couldn't even serve liquor anymore. This is an attempt to erase drag in Tennessee. This bill will further harm trans people who are literally just living their lives. I need you to contact your house representative and tell them this will not stand. Tell them, urge them to vote no, because if they don't, this will make public pride illegal this year. Now, if you don't know, we've been having public drag in Tennessee for over 50 years, and pride began to commemorate the events of Stonewall. Back in Stonewall, we weren't allowed to do drag. It was criminalized. And so what happened when the cops came in and tried to beat us down? We picked up them bricks and sent them packing. The original Pride was a riot. And if this year we need to remind them that we will fight for our liberation. Somebody's got to be first. We'll sue the state. But whatever happens, we are queer people. We are very strong. And we will rise. And again, just a reminder, we will be gone for about another month. So you're welcome. Thank you for listening. We hope to see you in the next episode. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at ThinkProPod. You can email us at ThinkProPod at gmail.com. And remember, when in doubt, think progressively. Tucker Carlson was given exclusive access. Accessed? Accessed. Also, this is a total tangent. I find we, sh- we should totally have a quote of someone saying Western civilization is crumbling before our eyes <laughs> as like a bumper we use in the future. We could. We could so, do anyway. That. It's going to be Candace Owens. But... I'm okay with it being Candace <laughs> Owens. <laughs>